Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Happy Friday. Happy Friday and the last week of having the kids at <laughs> oh home. My God, well done. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? I feel like I've got nervous butterflies, like so excited for Monday and Tuesday next week. Well, you really, really <laughs> made me laugh because I said, oh, maybe we could meet up next week and maybe we could do a bit of work and we haven't seen each other for such a long time. And you're like, yeah, maybe not next week. next week I just... <laughs> I'm just gonna be <laughs> chilling, and I was like, "No, fair play to you, actually, because you've had a hell of you've had a hell of a start to the year." Oh, don't, yeah, and you know what? To everyone, I mean, I know some people's kids will have gone back in Wales a bit earlier, and I think in Scotland too. But I think everyone in England who's got school age kids is just gonna be just this weekend is gonna feel like a proper weekend. Like yes. this is it, and then come Monday, back to the routine back to normality well not really but normality sort when it of. comes to school yeah sort of. yeah exactly well that's good and um good week good week bad week good week um I can't really think of anything very interesting anything interesting happened your end <laughs> well we went no we haven't done anything um well I'm just a little bit concerned about Luna but I feel like that's a discussion for another time she's just I don't know, a little bit unsettled, been saying that she's had a bad tummy. I'm wondering if anyone else has been through this with their little one, actually, that uh, been complaining of a, a bad tummy and a sore tummy, um, but then has no other symptoms, like not sick, you know, doesn't have a temperature. She doesn't outwardly look ill. So I'm wor- I'm, I'm thinking that maybe it's anxi- like a bit of anxiety or worry or she had her first like big upset at preschool where her little friend Sebi um his best mate Cormac came back and um you know because obviously he'd been off because of everything that was been going on this year and suddenly he sort of dumped Luna a little bit and she was absolutely devastated like I feel like it was her her first heartbreak he's the one that came around with the rose on Valentine's Day so she was like he doesn't want to play with me anymore and Dozza was a bit like oh gosh you know come on you need to be a bit more resilient but it broke my heart. So I don't know yeah. whether it's emotional upset in the tummy or whether, do you know what, she might have just had a little bug, but it's worrying me a bit. Do you know what though? Even like what I just said there of, I've got that weird feeling in my stomach of excitement about the kids going back to school on Monday. Do you get that? Because when I'm nervous, I definitely feel that in my stomach. Like that's where I feel it. And if I'm Mm. upset, it's usually it's in my stomach. I have that like 
butterfly-y, weird, anxious-y feeling. And I wonder if she's describing that feeling, but because she doesn't know what it is, it's pain. I don't know. Yeah, I've got a feeling because she says it when she's eating. So she says it when either during a meal or after a meal. I've got a feeling that she might have a bit of a wheat intolerance because it runs in the family. So I've Ah. got it. My sister's got it. Dawes has got it. He can't eat any wheat. My mum, my sister gets violently sick when she eats it. Her stomach is very distended and very bloated. Oh, right. Okay. I've, I've switched things up from like you know, we're now doing wheat free for a bit. I'm just going to see how it goes. But yeah, I hate because she's coming in really early being like, my tummy hurts and Doz is getting cross going, send her back in. And I'm like, I can't send her back in if she says her stomach, like they just, yeah. the par- partners operate in a different way, I think. Yeah, it's, it is. It's so I'm not like, get in then for a cuddle. <laughs> Come in, let me cuddle you. Oh, but I'm happy it's Friday. It means I get to drink because um, I haven't drunk all week. So I plan on getting absolutely shit faced tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no hang on I've got to get up for work tomorrow maybe I'll rethink yeah that. don't do that don't do that um but do you know we've got a really great episode today haven't we um something yeah. that we I guess we talk about between ourselves quite a bit we talk about pelvic floor quite a lot yeah. but actually thinking about it I don't think there's really anyone else I talk to about it mm. so I guess we hope by having this conversation and regularly having this conversation you know you popped up a post on Instagram at the weekend about it that it will encourage everyone to have conversations around their pelvic floor yes. with their friends with their mums with their sisters um just so that we can, you know, normalise the conversation, but yeah. also know what's what's okay and what's really not okay and that you absolutely don't have to live with. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as George said, all we want to do in life is have these conversations. So we are speaking to our pelvic floor physio. Her name is Emma Brockwell. Let's get into it. So as you know, George and I absolutely love talking about pelvic floor our pelvic floor other people's pelvic floor where it is how do you do it are you squeezing your bum are you squeezing something else um so um we have uh, done an episode on um uh, pelvic floor before but we felt we needed a bit of a refresher because it's, uh, it's been a while yes. and uh, the lady that we're talking to today one of the best pelvic floor physio health uh, physiotherapists i think i'm getting that right uh, she's mum to two she's also got a stepdaughter who's 11 uh, her name is the wonderful emma brockwell hello welcome oh hi Yay. guys thank you for having me <laughs> thank you so much pelvic yeah. floor pelvic health chat going on in that but um we are talking about pelvic floor today which is really exciting so can i just start yeah. is everyone doing their pelvic floor exercises as soon <laughs> as you say it like as soon as you if anyone mentions it i just think oh, yeah better do it quick 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 like come on let's are do it are you doing them then I'm doing them the whole way through this episode, I reckon. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question because lots of people don't know where to start on where to squeeze and if they're doing it right or doing it wrong. So I guess mm. before we get into the chat, can you just um, tell us a little bit about um, what you do and uh, kind of, uh, you know, a bit about your background, I guess? Well, I'm a pelvic health physio, which predominantly means that I treat women of all ages who have potentially or are experiencing pelvic floor issues so they might be leaking urine um, experiencing heaviness in the vagina so that might be called uh, or present as a pelvic organ prolapse Um, anyone with pain even painful sex 
anyone experiencing, unfortunately, faecal incontinence as well. Um, and then, of course, women who have got tummy gaps or diastasis recti. So anything pelvic health related is is my passion and interest but I particularly love treating women in those perinatal years so around pregnancy and and postnatally love it so do you you just mentioned like around but you know when people have babies so do you recommend people come to see you before they have a baby as well as after in my dream world we'd be teaching teenagers about pelvic health um If you think the pelvic floor is just a muscle, it's just like any other muscle. And so if we're not training it and strengthening it, then when it comes to the time when we really need to use it, i.e. during pregnancy and childbirth, lots of women are facing pelvic floor issues because we just haven't introduced that muscle to them sooner. Um, And I just think it's a muscle that we need to be strengthening from puberty so that then when we hit the time of pregnancy or later on perimenopause or menopause we haven't got to deal with the weakness that can can exist from just not engaging with that with that muscle yeah it's really interesting that you say that because I can't quite figure out whether my um pelvic floor issues are as as a result of having you know two children vaginally or the fact that I'm in early menopause so it was kind of like a double whammy you know I I I I thought I was going to be all right and actually after Luna uh, I remember the first time George do you remember it when we we I remember it and I was like (gasps) yeah I've wet myself and it was just oh. we were sort of joking about it but then I was like this isn't a joke this isn't funny this is actually a bit um worrying and but mm. I but I actually got back quite quickly um you know was was kind of doing my pelvic floor exercise as much as I could but actually after kit I just yeah. never recovered so um, yeah. it's funny that you talk about what happens to I guess what happens to that area when you when you have a child and yeah kind of t- talk us through that process yeah I mean <sighs> when you're pregnant your body changes so well you know it changes so quickly so dramatically muscles get lengthened and they do get weakened just because of the weight that we've got on us from from baby growing um and because as i say if it's not a muscle that we've used pre-pregnancy it's a muscle that then has extra strain on it and can respond with symptoms of urinary leakage or heaviness or discomfort um what then happens is during childbirth, particularly during a vaginal childbirth, the muscles really lengthened and sometimes damaged, unfortunately. Um, and then often we've had baby and we're kind of just left to get on with it. We're giving an, a little leaflet that says, do your pelvic floor exercises. How seriously do we really take that? I would say not very, particularly if you're not symptomatic. Um And then, you know, lots of us um, are really lucky in that we don't present with any pelvic floor issues in those in those first couple of years. Then we potentially fall pregnant again and we are then pregnant on an even weaker muscle. Um, And that is often then when pelvic floor issues can come to light when you have more and more children, not necessarily always the case, um, but certainly we see pelvic floor issues developing after we've had more children and then we kind of ignore those issues because often they're not painful and then we'll just avoid the activity that causes them like jumping on a trampoline or running on a treadmill so we become less active then women put more weight on unfortunately and definitely we know that an increase in weight does drive pelvic 
floor issues like you and me incontinence um and then you're in this spiral of well I can't exercise because it makes me leak but then I don't want to leak and I don't know what to do and you know women then get embarrassed and don't want to talk about it and often women don't realize that there's so much that can be done to address these issues there really really is and um actually I should be really clear because I haven't been so far that even if you've had a cesarean section just those pregnancy changes alone are enough to weaken and lengthen the pelvic floor. So, you know, I had two C-sections and um, I definitely need to do my pelvic floor exercises because I definitely have experienced pelvic floor issues, regardless of the fact that I haven't delivered vaginally. So it's just about educating women, but also encouraging them to do an exercise that is as boring as anything I can imagine but it's just so incredibly important because of the benefits it can bring you. I I think this is quite an interesting conversation because you've got two people on this podcast one who has had um, you know real problems with their pelvic floor and George you you haven't really had any have you? No, but I think it's really interesting just hearing you say, Emma, like the first, you know, after you have your first baby, quite a lot of people don't present any symptoms. But Zoe, because you'd had Kit before I got pregnant with Gigi and you spoke to me about those, you know, about the problems, I was so much more mindful of it when I was pregnant with Gigi and I did my exercises when I was pregnant with Gigi. And then as soon as I'd had her, well, like six weeks after or whatever, I I saw a women's health physio and so I you know we've been doing this podcast we've been having all these conversations and maybe if we hadn't have had those conversations I might not have done that um so I was definitely and also as well my auntie had had a prolapse um during that time as well and so again it's just one of those things it's just presented to me so I I knew about it and I kind of knew ish what I needed to do. I used to sit on the tube on the way to work and do them. That's that was what I what my thing was on the way to on the way to work on the tube and on the way back on the tube. <laughs> that was that was that. <laughs> yeah, but again, like I if I hadn't have known, I wouldn't be in this position. I'm sure. Yeah, I think actually what I've definitely seen more in clinic are more women in their early stages of pregnancy coming to see me without any pelvic floor issues but just because the likes of yourselves talking on podcasts I think there's more pelvic health physios on social media talking about the benefits as well because I think the work I think the whole conversation is changing and opening up and making women more comfortable about talking about it but also more aware that really where we should be going with pelvic health is about prevention um I don't know if you know this, but the the second most, this is a bit geeky, but the second most cited reason for women heading into a nursing home in their later years is because of urinary incontinence. And that's just heartbreaking when you think, oh my God, you know, we could be preventing that happening by something very simple, just even often one appointment with someone like myself um, can really get you on the right track to prevent those issues issues happening later when we have those hormonal changes occurring when we hit the menopause because that's the other thing it doesn't just because you've had a baby doesn't mean that you're going to have pelvic floor issues I know lots of women who have pelvic floor issues once they hit the menopause who haven't had kids so this isn't an exclusive just because you've had kids you need to do your pelvic floor exercises this is just because you are a woman and you need to do your pelvic floor exercises and actually men as well when they hit those 50s yes state issues start kicking in and they get pelvic floor certainly leakage when they get older so it's it's kind of a 
it's a public health priority, I think, to be getting us doing these really simple things. Isn't it funny as well that there's such a stigma attached to having the conversation? I mean, even some of your best friends, you feel that you can't have the conversation with them and say to them, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm leaking. You know, it's, it's awful when I jump. I can't do high knees, you know, let alone go for a jog. You know, I, I remember the, when we had the snow, I was sledging and I was pulling the kids along and I was sprinting and I was like, oh my God, I'm leaking. This is, you know, but it, it's one of, and I turned around to Dozer and I was like, I'm leaking. Really and we have a very open conversation about it because I think it's really important. There's no, nothing to be ashamed of but also anybody listening that is going through something similar to what I'm going through there's definitely ways out like just even if you haven't done your pelvic floor exercises when you found out you were pregnant you know during the pregnancy after pregnancy now from where you are today you can improve and you can get better this is not something that you need to live with for the rest of your life and I think it's really important for us to stress that yeah, absolutely. Oh, spot on. I mean, it's just never too late to address the issues, no matter how bad they are. You've just got to be mindful of the fact that it does take some time to see improvements. Um, and I think that's where we can often lose women and men in that, you know, you start doing it and you think, oh, well, it's still not making any difference. I'm still leaking. Well, you're, you're going to because it's a muscle and you don't get a six pack in a week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <you're> not- <laughs> Sadly. Um, so you're not going to get a strong pelvic floor in a week. You've just, you've just got to try and be compliant with the exercise and um, and give yourself time. That's, that's yeah. the key. Just before we get into the questions, um, because there, there's quite a few, um, you mentioned that sometimes, you know, even if someone hasn't had a child and they enter the menopause, then they can have pelvic floor issues. What happens to your body during the menopause that would cause those issues? When we hit the menopause, we have a big hormonal change, um, particularly around key hormones, but I'd say the big one is estrogen. And around your pelvic floor and and the whole bladder system are lots of little receptors, estrogen receptors. And when your estrogen starts depleting, the estrogen that used to give those muscles tone um, isn't there. in in the same abundance as it once was so as our estrogen depletes unfortunately that can have effect on the on the muscle tone around our pelvic floor and our pelvis and that's when you can then start seeing issues like leakage occurring so if you've got a stronger pelvic floor before that happens you aren't guaranteed to, but you are less likely to have issues. And it's a bit like any muscle in your body when you hit the menopause, unfortunately, from about the age of 35, and I definitely found this, I'm 42, um, your muscle tone just isn't as good. It's just not as easy to maintain. Um, it takes a lot more effort and same rules apply with the pelvic floor. So it's it's about catching it before it happens. So I would definitely recommend anyone, particularly from the age of 35, get on your strength training, get on your pelvic floor work. And then hopefully by the time you really hit that that post or that menopausal time, it won't have such an impact on, on your whole system. It's really interesting. Um, Emma, let's get into the questions. because We've got loads of them. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'd like to also comment as well, if I can. How do I know if I'm doing the exercises correctly? You know that you're doing them correctly when you can see or feel some movement in your undercarriage or your perineum, basically. You will also know if you have symptoms and within about six weeks, you start feeling like there's some improvement there. They won't, the symptoms won't necessarily go, but there'll be a little bit of improvement. You'll know you're doing your pelvic exercises incorrectly if you are squeezing your bum cheeks, 
gripping your tummy, holding your breath, or even clenching your jaw. I mean, I see all sorts. It's quite amazing how we try and engage our pelvic floor. And just know that it's okay if you're not doing your pelvic floor exercises correctly, because I would say the vast majority of women I see just aren't. And I don't know, it's a muscle that we don't, we can't see. And if you are asked to do a bicep curl, I can demonstrate that to you and you can copy me. Whereas when I say to you do a pelvic floor squeeze, you know, squeeze your back passage and your front passage, you can kind of try and do that. But unless you can really see me do it, it's quite hard to mirror. So the best thing really, my best advice would be is to see a pelvic health physiotherapist who can actually show you how to do your pelvic floor exercises because we all recruit the pelvic floor differently. Um, I don't know if, if that's what happened with you, Zoe, um, with the pelvic floor or not. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, um, Georgina, that for me it was, you know, the, she said a lovely question. For me it was the turning point was when I saw, um, you know, my, the pelvic floor health specialist and uh, the lovely Claire Bourne. She came around, she was brilliant. And it was because I'd had an episiotomy, so muscle cut straight through and then a, a third degree tear the second time around. Um, I had no feeling down there basically that whole that whole sort of between my vagina and my back package package (laughs) 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 fucking back passage was completely numb a lovely but a lovely package arrived though it didn't um it was completely numb right so even if I was touching it with my fingers I didn't have any sensation or any feeling and it was only when Claire used her fingers, and obviously that is quite invasive, but you know, you have to trust the person that you're with is an absolute pro, and also you've had a baby, so people have seen you do stuff before. And it was only when she inserted her fingers and she pushed that I had any sensation, right? And at that point, that was the point that I could identify my pelvic floor. So if you've been squeezing and squeezing and thinking, am I doing it right? I can't feel anything. The muscles have been inactive slash been cut through like mine for such a long time. You actually don't know how to get the brain can't get the messages down there because the nerve endings are you know have been slashed so it's it was and now you know Dozer and I Dozer's been absolutely brilliant he actually goes through that process with me and I do you know we do one two three four five six seven eight nine ten release I try and hold it for 10 seconds and that's what I've been doing for the last six months and then doing it on my own but you know it's only now that I'm starting to see some real change so Actually, I think like um, like Emma said, seeing a pelvic floor specialist really, really yeah. was the turning point for me. It does make a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, this is kind of just following on from that question, I guess. How often should you be exercising your pelvic floor? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it depends if you've got symptoms, really. So think of it if you haven't got any symptoms is just doing any other type of exercise. So we generally recommend you strength train three or four times a week. I would say if you, particularly if you haven't had children yet and you have no symptoms, I think doing your pelvic floor exercises three or four times a week, once a day is is perfectly reasonable because life's busy. And if you aim too high, you're probably less likely to get, fit them in bizarrely. Um, I would say if you've had a baby recently, then really, truly to really engage again with that muscle, it would be ideal to be doing them three times a day for at least the first six months. If you are symptomatic, um, whether you've just had a baby or not, I would definitely recommend you do them two to three times a day. Um, I'm kind of keen to mirror it with the brushing your teeth scenario yeah Um, we brush our teeth twice twice a day if you can do it 
eventually when your pelvic floor is strong enough alongside doing that then you're at least getting two things done at once um but ideally trying to do it in a, t- at a time which suits your your day is is ideal it wants to become part of your well-being routine um that said if you're only fitting them in once a day so long as you're doing them well and so long as you're doing them effectively you should still see improvements you are just going to take longer to see those improvements um but I'm always nervous of saying to women oh you must do them three times a day because I just think that's just such a big ask when we're all just so crazy yeah we've had kids It's, it's just too much and so like you said two minutes, is that enough? Like, is that, a, you know, I mean, a strength training session could be half an hour, but yeah. two minutes, is that, is that okay? <laughs> half an hour and you're telling me four, Jesus Christ. No, like you said, it's actually like, we're not going to be doing that three times a day, are we? <laughs> oh an hour and a half of pelvic floor, you'd be shooting bloody <laughs> balls out of it. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to overdo it. It actually fatigues the muscle. And then, and then actually, ironically, you can become a little bit symptomatic because the muscle's just too tight to do the job it's designed to do so a couple of couple of minutes once a day twice a day is 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 perfectly reasonable how to cope with pelvic girdle pain in in pregnancy thank you oh, oh pelvic girdle pain oh. it's so or it can be so very debilitating debilitating um the thing with pelvic girdle pain which i hate is i think that a lot of women get um fobbed off a little bit um and they're often told oh well you're pregnant guess what it will go when you when you've had babies so you kind of just got to live with it during your pregnancy um if you're 15 weeks pregnant and you're in pain that's a very long time to be in pain um so my 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 top tip if you have pelvic girdle pain we know that we can get on top of your pain quicker the sooner we know about it so don't be fobbed off by anyone including any medical professional if you have pain go and see your doctor and ask to see a pelvic health physiotherapist it's really important um tips in terms of how hopefully to prevent it getting worse um try and avoid standing on one leg as much as you can because that can irritate the pelvis um try and avoid particularly particularly if you're a second or third time mum try and avoid sitting on the floor with your legs open with your with your toddlers because that's quite a common pose that we all like to adopt um but that puts an awful lot of strain on your pelvis can really aggravate your symptoms so as perhaps impractical as it is i would try and sit on a chair where if you have pelvic girdle pain and you've got toddlers rather than sit on the floor um when you are doing things that create pressure like getting out of bed rolling in bed getting out of a chair try breathing out just before and during the the movement and try engaging your pelvic floor because that will just give you a little bit more stability and help you cope with the pressure that your system's not really happy with at the moment do your pelvic floor exercises um, and listen to your body I had a lady the other week who is brilliant she really wants to keep active which is just essential when you're pregnant but she's still doing at one hour walks on through through the field so really unstable surfaces coming back with raging pain and and I said to her well let's change the surface that you're walking on perhaps let's make it concrete um and just walk for 15 minutes listen to your body and if it's starting to really hurt by 10-15 minutes that's enough and that's okay um and it might be that you break your walks down throughout the day so you do three walks of 10 minutes rather than such a long walk um but be led by your symptoms and and listen to your body and don't be fobbed off. You need treatment when you have pelvic girdle pain. It's, it's as simple as that. We'll be right back after the short break. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. tell you about the Loose Lips podcast. We, being me, Georgie Porter, and me, Sharon Carpenter, we're all about honesty and not holding back, especially when it comes to what's in the news. Plus, we answer your questions and we give you advice whenever it's asked for. Even when it's not asked for, we're all about what you're really thinking and what you really want to know. You can expect to hear some of this. I have to say, come on people, we're, we're getting a little too sensitive here. And also some of this. She is plugging her entire career in that one moment. That's the Lose Lips podcast out every Tuesday and not forgetting Extra Lippy on Fridays. Find it wherever you found this podcast. We'll see you there. So welcome back, uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? Here's another one. Um, Advice, opinion on vaginal pessary for return to exercise, small prolapse confirmed. Hmm. Okay, so... Do you know what a pessary is? Shall I explain what a pessary is? I know, but yeah, yes. I know what a pessary is. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, you know so much about it. <laughs> it's just so cool. Um, so I, I liken a pessary to a sports bra, actually, um, an internal sports bra. Um, so your pelvic floor is, or your pelvic organs, your bladder, your bowel, and your uterus. They're supported from below by your pelvic floor and they're supported above by ligaments. So a bit like your breast tissue is supported by ligaments. We should be not only trying to strengthen your pelvic floor, but also support the ligaments so that when you're doing things like running, you're not putting extra stress and strain on the ligaments and potentially worsening a prolapse. So this lady should be doing some pelvic floor rehab regardless of using a pessary. But what the pessary can do is just support the ligaments, support the vaginal walls. Um, it's a little, it's a little almost like a tampon really that goes inside the vagina. And when you are then running it just it just offers the vaginal walls a little bit more support so that we don't make a prolapse worse now hopefully this lady is someone that potentially can stop using the pessary as her rehab improves and as she gets stronger but I love pessaries I think they're hugely underused um, and I just think they give women confidence particularly when they've got their uh, a prolapse they give them confidence they allow them to do the exercise they want to do um, and that's just so important because fundamentally, as I, as I said earlier, just being active is just so important for your physical and your mental well-being. So if we can get you doing something that you love with a little bit of support without making anything worse, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of that. So 
the only downside with a pessary is you do need a specialist to insert it and there's not many specialists. Um, so that is another one for the GP to refer you to either a physiotherapist, a nurse or a urogynecologist who can who can fit the right pessary for you. Because how long does of- it stay? How long does it stay inside you for? So you can you can basically if it's a if it's a it's a silicone pessary, you could actually wear it some of them without taking them in and out, in or out for a couple of a couple of months um some of them probably like the one that the lady's talking about is just literally used for exercise um you basically use it when you feel the symptoms of prolapse or when you're putting unnecessary pressure on the prolapse like when you run or do a hit workout um but they're great they're like a tampon you can take them in and out um and they i oh, i think they're brilliant and i think as we go on with pelvic health, I think over the next few years, the whole um, industry of pessaries is going to explode because they're one of those things that can really avoid you having to have surgery, which should Great. always be a last resort. Yeah. And a little bit of advice from a runner to someone who's getting back into running, always, <laughs> always go for a wee immediately, seconds before you leave the door. If you think you've already been two minutes before that, go again and then get out. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be stopping around the hedges, oh. which has happened to me a couple of times. Not in anyone's garden, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, <laughs> uh, right, here's another question. Seven months postpartum, will my grade one bladder prolapse improve? Yeah, a grade one should definitely improve. Um, so prolapses are graded from zero to four. Anything from zero, which is not a prolapse, um, to one, we do actually see quite a lot of improvement with because it's more that the vaginal walls are lax. Um, often hormones especially if you're breastfeeding that can have an impact on that laxity it just keeps things a bit softer Um, and actually the pelvic floor takes around about seven to twelve months to to fully heal so you're not through that that rehab process yet Um, and you're particularly not through it if you've only just started your rehab process so I would definitely recommend anyone with the symptoms of or signs of prolapse see a pelvic health physio Um, anything from a grade one to two will take a little bit more work, but we can definitely still see improvements, get you being as functional as you want to be. Grade two and above, again, grade twos are very treatable. Threes and fours, a little bit more work's needed and we might need to start thinking about, you know, talking talking to uh, surgical consultants around how we manage those. But to be clear, grade three and fours are very, very unusual and tend to happen as, as we get a little bit older but that's that's not always the case right okay here's another one um I didn't see a physio after birth which I regret 20 months on I'm still leaking if I do anything high intensity have I left it too late to see someone and get help no um as, as we said earlier it's it's just never too late to address to address these issues so first thing I would do is is, is see a pelvic health physio and start your rehab it might take a bit longer because your symptoms have been going on for that little bit longer yeah um so there's not going to be a quick fix but no never too late don't lose hope <laughs> yeah I love that one um, Get it booked in. <laughs> these two are quite closely related so I'll chuck them in next to each other is it ever po- <laughs> this really makes me giggle because I can't do them either is it ever possible to star jump and not wee yourself I had a tear during birth and I'm really struggling um so I still can't star jump uh, the person that sent that question in and then thoughts on skipping six months postpartum my PT recommended it but I'm not sure it's wise 
So the star jumps, first of all. If you think about... They're hard. They're really hard. <laughs> I just do it with one leg. I just shoot I one leg out and keep the other one tucked in. So I feel like everything's going to fall out. So, and that's just because yeah. you're still going through your rehab process, basically. I kind of think about star jumps and real high-intensity exercise as a really heavy weight. So you wouldn't start your weight training by lifting... Well, I hope you wouldn't, by lifting 100 kilos uh by doing a 100 kilo deadlift you would hopefully start by doing a deadlift without weight and then you'd build up to it so the same rules apply with impact you might start just doing simple jumps on the spot making sure that you're leak free and then working on the movement opening your legs it's definitely more provocative to urinary leakage when you're opening your legs but it's just about grading the, the pelvic floor as I keep saying it's just like any other muscle and it just needs to be loaded sensibly in a really graded fashion um, so I would say things like star jumps are always one of the last things to improve for sure. Um, but you need to start your rehab around that aim of working up towards them. So Zoe, with the rehab you're doing at the moment, you'll, I'm sure, be able to star jump. It's just one of those things that will come really once you've nailed the running and other forms of impact. Um, in, <laughs> I hope so. No, you will. I know it. I know it. In terms of skipping, um, if you're leak free or symptom free of any pelvic floor issues like heaviness or pain, um, oh, there's no reason you shouldn't be skipping at all. If your PT is keen for you to do it and you feel really comfortable doing it, go for it. However, it is an exercise that might be provocative to urinary incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse. So just be sure that you're doing your pelvic floor exercises alongside doing those sorts of exercises as well. Amazing. Okay, I think that. so. We're we're like we were guilty of this probably first time round, like going back to the gym and just wanting to do what we used to do straight away. Yeah. And you do quite like it's it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't want to take it slow sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you just want to get straight back in, but obviously that can be like not great for well, you. It's basically. not so exciting, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I think the whole this is where the whole narrative around postnatal recovery needs to change. We've got this crazy concept of bounce back, which totally does not exist. It's a myth. Um, of course, I definitely, definitely see women in clinic who after six weeks don't look like they've had a baby and they are very blessed. They're genetically blessed. And um, and that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean internally they're strong. Um, and what we have to think about is coming away from this six week GP check, green light go to do anything. If you just had knee surgery, there's no way you just go back to the gym after six weeks. And start, and start running. Yeah, running, exactly. Yeah. You know? So if we could try and think about that in terms of pelvic health rehab, why the hell would we expect someone who's just been through the biggest change her body will ever go through? been through possibly a traumatic birth and then expect that you're going to be okay to run at six weeks postnatal it's bonkers we've just got to build you up gradually and yes it's not earth shatteringly exciting always but there's a lot of low impact exercise that you can do to build up to the things you love 
And you'll still see those bodily changes if that's your goal, but you've just got to listen to your body and and allow it to heal. And we we just need to respect this whole process of recovery so much more with postnatal women. And I think think because there's not that much conversation around it, and I know that the, you know, the NHS and healthcare professionals, they absolutely do their their bit. So I just want to say that, like, I feel like it was mentioned to me, but I feel like in terms of going into the sort of in-depth, you know, actual exercises that I needed to do, there wasn't very much care afterwards for me until I actually sort of went and found somebody Mm. privately um but I Mm. think it's like you said listening to your body is really key and it's actually okay to go okay I've leaked I'm going to stop doing that I went through this whole period of feeling really down about it like it was like I don't know how it made me feel quite, it's quite hard to articulate it, but I was definitely crying a lot afterwards, you know, feeling like my body was giving up on its, you know, know, something that happens to old ladies. And I had this really weird thing about it, but actually it is just a muscle that, like we've said, that needs to be worked on. So I think if you are doing an exercise that is making you leak, just stop doing it. And that's okay. You just go, okay, my body's not ready for that now, but hopefully I'll get back to that at some point if I've gone through it, but don't beat yourself up about it and don't feel rubbish about it because it's just a symptom of either, you know, having babies or going through early menopause, whatever it is that you're experiencing. Like it's not, it's, there's no shame. I just feel like there's a lot of shame attached to it. Yeah, there is. It's a, it's a very, it's a very taboo subject. And when you think one in three women are leaking urine after having a baby, that's one of us, one of us is now leaking, which we know. And, and actually, I'd, I'd almost argue it's possibly two in two and three, probably. Um, And, you know, if there's that many women leaking urine, that's very, very, very common. Um, But why are we then not able to normalize it and I, and I hate to say it but I do think a lot of it comes around how leakage is marketed as well you know we're exposed to these blooming adverts that say oops moments and oh well you know you're jumping on a trampoline you leak but just pop a pad in and all will be well um yeah that, that's the only way we really discuss it and it's yeah. kind of like uh hello I'm pretty sure if a guy was jumping on a trampoline and leaking everywhere I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be that happy about just whacking in a pad um and pads have their place you know they are very very effective at, at managing the leakage but they are what should be just a temporary temporary stopgap until you rehab and get better um and I just the whole thing you know really truly any pelvic floor issue be it urinary leakage fecal leakage which is even sadly even worse heaviness in the vagina if you can think of those symptoms as pain you would not jump on a trampoline if you had just sprained your ankle and it was incredibly painful and that's I think how we need to flip it you know yes you're leaking urine you're injured that's okay because this rehab injure you um oh it's just it I it's just so much around it the whole conversation just needs to flip 100 360? 180? <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> See, this one is like, this one is me. In fact, even before I had kids, this was me. Need to pee every two hours-ish. Is this normal? <laughs> no it's not it's not (laughs) ideal I have to be honest with you um there can be a variety of reasons for that happening um for some women particularly if you've had some symptoms of leakage there becomes that anxiety of oh crikey if I don't pee I'm gonna gonna need a pee so just before I head out I'm gonna have a wee um and that then becomes a habit 
Um, and your bladder then becomes quite used to you going more often than really truly it should be going. Really, the norm is to pee around every three or four hours. Um, sometimes it is because there's pelvic floor weakness. Sometimes it is because there's potentially uh, a bladder infection. So that should always be checked out by the GP first and foremost. Um, sometimes it's poor habit. Sometimes it's what you're drinking. So I had one lady once who used to drink four liters of fizzy water to keep what she felt was hydrated, and she peed forty times a day. Oh my god! Who's yeah, got a time for that? I'd rather wee my pants. Oh my <laughs> Can <you> imagine? <laughs> and, um, she said, "Oh, you know, I'm just so hydrated, and I, I just—it must be my pelvic floor that's the issue." Actually, it was the fizz in the in the sparkling right. water. That was the that's issue. Interesting. so interesting. When I was pregnant, yes. that's all I wanted to drink was fizzy right. water with yeah. lime. In, I used to squeeze lime in it, and I, oh. I, I'm not—I don't know how many liters I used to drink a day. A lot, a lot. Oh. It was probably the fizzy water because it's a real bladder irritant. Um, oh. Anything with fizz is an irritant to your bladder. So just yeah, I have so many ladies. So they you know quite proud of how much water they drink but they're actually they're actually drinking the wrong type of water so it's worth thinking about that it's also coffee I mean we, we blame coffee for for probably too much when it comes to the bladder but coffee can certainly for some women be an irritant so can tea there's loads of caffeine in tea I'm a tea, tea drinker <laughs> right yeah me too I love it but uh, it's, it definitely irritates my bladder um, yeah. as does green tea because it's full of caffeine so yeah. does hot chocolate unfortunately because that's full of caffeine too hot so, chocolate's full of caffeine yeah, yeah chocolate's got caffeine caffeine yeah. yeah so all the lovely things that we <laughs> every like day to is do. school day for me <laughs> <laughs> um, all those lovely things we like to drink including alcohol and prosecco and champagne all that fizz and all that booze it does irritate your bladder so think about what you're drinking but ironically think also about are you drinking enough um if you are someone that leaks or someone that pees a lot quite often it's because you're dehydrated um, and not having enough fluid in your bladder makes the bladder walls quite irritated so then you want to pee more so try try and hit the one and a half to two liters of fluid every day um, obviously if you're someone that's only drinking half a liter to suddenly build it up to that it would be too much too soon um, but you want to build up to a good healthy amount of hydration so yeah look at what you're drinking and how much you're drinking because that could be what's irritating you that's so interesting. Love that. Um, somebody's uh, written in saying incontinence during sex. Yeah. Yeah, tough one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, basically leakage is a, is a, it's a, because your body can't manage pressure. So a, around our core, which consists of your pelvic floor, we are constantly generating pressure. So when you cough, sneeze, laugh, pressure is generated. And if there's a weakness in that core, you will leak. So when you have sex, that often creates quite a lot of pressure. And unfortunately, particularly when you orgasm, that can cause leakage as well. So it's, it's just, it's not dissimilar in some ways to leaking on the trampoline. Um, it's horrible, really horrible for women when that's happening, but it's definitely something that can be, um, addressed and treated again a bit like star jump because it's when a lot of pressure is generated it's something that will take a while to improve because you've got to really build up the pelvic floor tolerance to it um but but 
see someone about it because it's treatable and the worst thing is to stop having sex because that's just so important for us all um if if you like having sex um so yeah I don't think we talk again it's something else we don't talk about enough is sexual function and sexual activity we should all be having it if we want to have it um and we shouldn't be in pain and we shouldn't be leaking so Um, can we talk about pain during sex um Mm. and the reasons behind that um, and, and, and is it normal? Because I, I definitely experience pain during sex in certain positions. And I sometimes get really confused as to why I'm like, you know, is it more sort of towards the end, you know, if I've just come off my period or like, what what are the reasons? But it doesn't, I definitely don't feel normal uh, the way I used to feel before having the kids now. So there's definitely positions that sort of trigger that pain. What What, what is that about? Yeah, you and me both is something that I really struggled with after having children. One in 10 women have pain after sex, um, sorry, pain during sex after having a baby, which is ridiculous. Um, Again, it's something we don't talk about enough. There can be a variety of reasons. So it can be hormonal. So if if you were still breastfeeding, for example, um, when we're breastfeeding, there's less estrogen in our body, good old estrogen again. And estrogen allows for the vagina to be more lubricated. Um, so without it, when you're breastfeeding, the whole vaginal area can be drier and therefore can create painful sex. Um, if you have torn, um, that can also be something that can create uh, pain. So the actual scar itself could be quite tight. Um, it might be something that needs some work on. The pelvic floor itself, again, it works like any muscle, it contracts and it relaxes. And if you're someone that's a bit nervous of sex or someone that's leaked or had pelvic floor issues, there can be this um, want to always hold your pelvic floor and not necessarily let it go. And that can be quite a subconscious thing. But if you imagine it's probably happened to us all. If you were to just hold your neck and not move it for a whole day, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you've got a really stiff neck, yeah. Um, you know, if you press the muscle around your neck, it really hurts. And that's because the muscles become tight and gone into spasm where your pelvic floor can do the same thing. Then you have sex and you're pressing on a muscle that's just not contracting and relaxing as well as it could. So for a lot of women, if they're doing the pelvic floor exercises incorrectly, um, that can then generate pain during sex. Um, if you have a prolapse, that can also create create some discomfort during sex. Um, and also birth trauma, just the psychology around having sex and what it stands for. The whole, you know, your system's so interconnected. If you're fearful of sex or nervous of sex, it's going to cause a muscle to go into a protective spasm. So you're not going to want to have sex and it's going to be uncomfortable. So I would recommend for sure having treatment on the area because it might be that your muscles need lengthening as well as strengthening. They might need some lubrication. Highly recommend yes as a lubricant. There are there are some not so good lubricants out there, but yes. What's it called? Yes. 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 You know what? That's what when I had when I saw a woman's physio, she gave me that and Ah. she recommended it. Why is it? What? Why is it so good? Ordering it now from Amazon. (laughs) So so good. So just um, if you are using condoms, uh, only use the water based one. If you aren't using condoms, you can use the plant. You can mix it and use the water and the plant. But basically, it's a it's a lubricant that you can put on yourself and on your partner, and. It's so good because it doesn't have something called glycerine in it. And you will get, I won't say any of the makes, but you can get more of the um, 
the more well-known makes that you could just pick off the shelf from Boots, um, a lot of them have glycerine in them. And when your tissues are already quite sensitive or dehydrated because of that lack of estrogen, glycerine can dehydrate them more. So it can actually make sex more uncomfortable. So yes, it's good because it's just a natural product. It's a really good product. And I personally feel that every woman after having a baby should be given a few sachets of it to at least try but also told that sex might be a little bit uncomfortable um it it's a great thing to use on your scar as well because it's just nice to be able to do some scar massage using the lubricant you can get your partner to do that if, if you're someone that feels comfortable with that um yeah i couldn't recommend it highly enough and it's very reasonably reasonably priced just got well. it 12.99 it's coming tomorrow <laughs> oh, just it. amazing i actually think it's nhs endorsed as well so oh, if you brilliant. can't afford that you can ask your doctor to write a prescription for it brilliant oh wow that is mm. that is fantastic um should we just do one more g yeah i was gonna say because there's so many questions that have come in but we've definitely covered a lot of stuff yes. already yeah. postpartum third c-section i can't feel my pelvic floor at all if i'm stood up thoughts as to why um i can feel the tightening when i'm sat but just no control at all when i'm st- when i'm standing yeah. um did you say the lady was postpartum c-section third c-section Oh, 30 section. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Um, so there's every chance that your pelvic floor's just weak, basically. Um, which I'm not surprised about if it's your third baby. Um, standing doing pelvic floor exercises is hard. So a little bit that whole grading of weight, you kind of start your pelvic floor exercises potentially lying down, then you would move up to sitting, then you would move up to standing. So it's like grading back those weights from one to two to five kilograms. for example and um standing is i would say the best place to do your pelvic floor exercises if you can engage your pelvic floor if you can't you probably just need to do a bit more work sitting or lying on your side and just build up to it don't worry that you can't do them it will happen but it might just take a few months to build up to standing but if you're not feeling it it's probably not worth doing it in standing at the moment because it's just not going to be as effective simple as that okay all right oh emma that was amazing thank you so much i feel like i just learned so much did you g yeah absolutely i mean we thought we knew a lot didn't we though but we really didn't (laughs) we've learned yeah we've learned so much again especially the fizzy drink thing i mean i'm going to be telling everyone that now yeah oh god every fizzy drink manufacturer is gonna hate me now (laughs) vodka soda lime's all right though right I'm not cutting that out of my diet. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, good. (laughs) And um, I guess if anybody needs any more questions, answer them, please. Emma is on Instagram, Emma Brockwell. Um, What's your your Instagram handle? Um, So I'm Physio Mum UK. Physio Mum UK. Okay, brilliant. And you've got a new book out as well, Emma, haven't you? I have got a new book out. Thanks for mentioning it. It's called Why Did No One Tell Me? How to Protect, Heal and Nurture Your Body Through Motherhood. So it's basically what it says on the tin it's just giving you some guidance it's about you on how to you know really support and nurture and protect your body throughout pregnancy and beyond so yeah I hope it's of use to a lot of people lots of what we've spoken about is is in the book brilliant oh, Emma thank you're amazing you. thank you so much we've loved that and um, let's definitely do a refresher let's pick things up and see how things are going in six months time let's do it amazing thank you for having I'm me. gonna have the tightest pelvic floor in the whole entire world <laughs> I'll go for it. Take care, Emma. Thanks, lovely. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. 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 I love Emma. She's on speed dial now. 
Me too, me too. I just love that we get to have those conversations as well. I I really do hope that we've helped you today listening. If you've had any of those issues or going through it, just know that you are not the only one. You are not alone. Yes, exactly. And yeah, and talk to your friends, you know, point them in the direction of this podcast because like I said earlier in the chat, if I didn't know any of this stuff through doing the podcast and speaking to Zoe, I would not have seen a women's health physio and I probably wouldn't have got the help that I needed. Um, So yeah, we just we just need to keep talking about it. Yes, we do. Um, Now we normally do products at the end of um, Friday's episode, but we just because it's been it's quite a long chat, wasn't it? (laughs) Talking, talking, talking. Um, We just wanted to to remind you that our collaboration with Oh Mama and obviously made by Mamas, our hospital box is still available to buy. So this is basically a box for any new mums, any expectant mums, or just you know mums that love great products. Uh, All of our favourite beauty essentials in one beautiful box. You can buy it at the Oh Mama website, omama.com, um, and we'll put a little swipe up and just contact us if you've got any questions about the products. Yeah, it's £45, um, but it's worth around, I think it's like £83, £86. So it's definitely worth it and a great opportunity to buy, to try products like the Living Proof Dry Shampoo, like the Elemis Cleansing Balm. Um, yeah, so definitely check it out. Yes, and as always, we would love you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. If you've got time to give us a little five-star review, that would be amazing. Yeah, please do. And anything you want us to talk about, no matter how embarrassing, then please do drop us a line at Made by Mummers. Obviously, the really embarrassing questions, please direct them to at Zoe Harmon. Nothing is too embarrassing to send to me. And we'll be back on Tuesday with another really great episode. And when we're there on Tuesday, we'll also be discussing how Georgia regularly used to steal milk from the milk carton at 4am. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.